Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 48. Today is Friday, August 21st, 2020. I'm your host, William Galloway. The Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. So check it out on those three platforms. Share on your social media and with your friends, the Galloway Podcast. Of course, we're always going to start with what's new. We're going to go to our feature interview today. We're talking with CBS 42's Simone Eli. You can follow her on Twitter at Simone Eli underscore TV. And then, of course, we'll go around Alabama athletics to close things off. So as we get started, Let's roll in to what's new here on the Galloway Podcast. Well, on Monday, the Southeastern Conference released its full 11-week, 10-game schedule. We'll talk about that with Simone here in a moment, but just a couple of thoughts there. Alabama adding Kentucky at home and Missouri on the road. So some exciting news there for the Crimson Tide. Alabama will start their season at Missouri. Alabama hasn't started their season in Bryant-Denny Stadium for quite some time, for years now under Saban. Of course, it's been those non-conference neutral site games. Obviously, that's not happening this year, so Alabama will open their season away from Bryant-Denny Stadium at Missouri on September 26th. We'll get into the full schedule with her in a moment. Also, what's new? SEC stadium capacities have been released And Alabama will be at 20%, so just over 20,000 people. Georgia is deciding in between 20 and 25%. Auburn will have 20% capacity, and Texas A&M will have 20% capacity as well. They were originally at 25%. Other stadiums and schools have not released their numbers or will soon, maybe as early as as next week. So we'll get into that on a later podcast when we know more about other schools and other stadium capacities. Elsewhere in what is new in the world of sports, the NBA playoffs are taking the world by storm down in the bubble in Orlando. If you've been keeping up with LeBron and the Lakers taking on Dame And the Trailblazers, that's been really interesting to follow along. Of course, the Trailblazers taking game one. And one of the best tweets I saw was that somebody was saying uh, Commissioner Adam Silver will announce the bubble's first positive test if the Trailblazers go go up 2-0. And I just thought that was hilarious. Um, Obviously, it didn't happen. LeBron and the Lakers steamrolled the Blazers last night, but NBA playoffs are going on and it's entertaining TV, you know, around the clock. So that's been fun to watch. Elsewhere in what is new in the world of sports, keeping it in the professional ranks, MLB and baseball's unwritten rules. If you heard about Fernando Titus Jr., uh, he was hitting a home run with the bases loaded on a 3-0 pitch uh, with a seven-run lead in the Rangers and Padres game earlier this week. And everyone is debating well, what's the deal with baseball's unwritten rules? You're not supposed to swing on a 3-0. Um, you're up seven. It's late in the game. What are you doing? Well, here's the thing, and we don't have to sit here and harp on this, but if unwritten rules were rules, they'd be written down. Maybe if you don't want to get embarrassed like that, don't throw a low-hanging fruit down the middle on a 3-0 count with the bases loaded. Don't get yourself in that situation to have the bases loaded or to be down seven runs. Be better. So, Fernando Tatis Jr., go off, King. Do your thing. You know, I, I have no problem with that. Once again, if baseball's unwritten rules were rules, they'd be written down. 
Uh, elsewhere in what is new in high school in the state of Alabama, high school football kicked off on Thursday night. So last night, the season got underway. We're currently in week zero, and teams will be starting their seasons this week and next. We'll talk with Simone here in a minute about what is going on in high school football in Alabama. It's great to see them kick off their season, and uh, she's very well plugged in. Uh, her husband's a head coach and has been a head coach for a while here in the state of Alabama, and so we'll go ahead and kick it to Simone where we'll talk high school football, we'll talk Alabama football, college football, SEC, Big Ten. Here's Simone Eli on the Galloway Podcast. I'm joined now by Simone Eli of CBS 42 sports anchor and reporter here in Birmingham, Alabama on the Galloway Podcast. Uh, Simone, how are you? Doing well, William. Doing well. Hanging in there. Excited to absolutely i'm i'm fired up as well and you were at some games last night i believe and uh sure. your husband kicks off um they start tonight as well so what's that like in your household and then for you professionally to see football back underway yeah Absolutely, and it's something we're really, you know, going to witness firsthand tonight when the the full slate. I guess it's still week zero, but as things unfold and we see, you know, some really big matchups this weekend yep. in high school football. Talk about around the state. We've got Hoover, and uh, they're taking on not McGill Central Phoenix. Central Phoenix that's right. Yeah, yeah but yep. you know, a lot yeah. of marquee matchups this weekend. Yeah, what a game, man! I mean, for that, for I mean, kudos to uh, Patrick Nix and to Josh Niblett for scheduling that game pretty much midweek and playing tonight, Friday. Uh, you know, that's a really quick turnaround, especially two blockbuster teams that are really, really talented. Um, you know, just a couple of years ago, Central Phoenix City won a state championship. They were runner-ups last year. You know, Hoover's always, always talented. So, just kudos to both those programs for saying, hey. We're going to give these kids an opportunity to play, and it might be a tough game. Hey, we might take an L, but we're going to do it. And then tomorrow, really looking forward to the 6A champ, 7A champ matchup, Thompson and Oxford. I'll be out at that one at Thompson High School at 7 o'clock. You know, it's going to be a great game between two great programs and two great head coaches and just staff. I mean, it's fantastic football. So high school football, man, there really isn't a lot better. Uh, there's nothing better in the state of Alabama, in my opinion. I love college sports, but to be honest with you, high school football is, is the best to me. It really is what kind of drives this state and the passion for football at the collegiate level is driven by the foundation that is set at the high school level. Simone, what can you say about the AHSAA and the precedent that it's set statewide, but also nationwide and going ahead yeah. and starting to play high school football? Hey, I think that the AHSAA, Steve Severis, all those guys down in Montgomery, I think they did 
the very best that they could do for all athletes and all fall sports, especially in football. And I know they took a little bit of criticism when they kind of left things up to member schools and member areas, but that's, that's what you had to do because different parts of the state were in different situations when it came to COVID-19 pandemic. And when you got high numbers in one part of the state and lower numbers in one area, I mean, they all can't have a blanket um, agreement or a blanket uh, decision on the entire state. So I think them leaving it up to member schools was the right call. I think them playing high school football, again, I might be biased. I'm fine to admit that, but I think them playing high school football is exactly what these kids need. Uh, The last thing that they need is to be at home Uh, potentially getting into trouble and not having that sense of normalcy and not having that structure in their lives. I mean, these are 16, 17, 18 year old kids who, you know, I mean, they, they need football. For a lot of these kids, this is all they have. They don't want to go home. They want to, they want to be out there with their teammates, with their brothers. And I think it's a fantastic thing. Absolutely. And one of the things I've noticed since being in Tuscaloosa and covering more West Alabama, I did a lot of Mountain Brook in central Alabama, but since going to Tuscaloosa, seeing all these smaller towns, um, you know, 1, 2A, 3A schools even, you get the whole city, you get the whole community out there. And so it's important for people if they're six years old or if they're 60 years old, you know, that what, what goes on in those Friday night lights matters to them and that uh, a lot of that kicked off last night will kick off tonight as well as next week Uh, but also college football is set to kick off in just a few weeks and this week we saw the SEC schedule Um, of course the 11 week 10 game schedule what were your some of your takeaways um, for teams like Alabama and Auburn but league-wide as well as the SEC is going into 10 games yeah I think that just looking at it, you know, I, my, my concern is how far into this season are we going to get before things potentially get shut down? You know, you cross your fingers and hope that we can go 11 weeks. And I think because of that thought process, I kind of had hoped the Iron Bowl was going to get pushed up a little bit. I understand uh, it was important to the conference to keep that Thanksgiving week and the tradition for, you know, a lot of people throughout our entire state to celebrate Thanksgiving and celebrate the Iron Bowl within the same week. But I wouldn't have minded that being pushed up a little bit uh it is weird that it's not the last game of the year um both teams have to play another week after that so that's going to be interesting to see how things shape up when it comes to the sec standings and how the iron bowl fits into that um i think once again auburn has a heck of a schedule and <laughs> i mean they play all the best teams uh in, in the conference not to mention uh add in kentucky as one of those uh outlier games that the league threw in there as well so i think auburn's schedule is super hard um and re- really quite frankly i think that steve sarkeesian said it best earlier this week when he said this is as close as you're going to get to playing in the nfl because week in and week out you're playing the sec conference game and i mean it doesn't get any bigger and any better and any more uh, talented than the sec so you really got to bring your a game every single saturday and that's not easy to do man i mean we have those those cupcake games throughout the normal seasons that we've seen in years past. So they got to strap it on and play every week. Yeah, I've got the schedule pulled up right here, and six teams have to play six games before they get a bye week. And when you're playing SEC teams in and out, in and out, there's just no rest for the weary. And you talked about Auburn adding Kentucky. One thing that everyone says is, oh, well, Alabama, you know, and LSU, they got the cupcakes in terms of adding, you know, Missouri and LSU, you know, really got it good um, with their schedule. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, SEC ball is SEC ball. What do you say to those who, who look at Alabama and LSUs or the SEC and say they got an easier schedule based off of who was available? 
much better than other teams in the conference year in and year out. So, of course, to them, pretty much any other program is, you know, not going to really be at their level, if that makes sense. Now, I understand that, you know, they open up with Missouri on the road, and that's not exactly a marquee matchup. But, hey, it's not like the conference or the SEC or Greg Sankey is against one team and not against another team. I mean, it all fits in where it fits in. At the end of the day, we should all just be really grateful that there is a potential that we will have uh, football in the SEC because there's other conferences that are going to be sitting at home on Saturdays this fall, it looks like. Yeah, and and Alabama adds Kentucky, and you look at – they're already playing Georgia. They're already playing Tennessee, and the you know the best team you could add after that would be Florida. Well, they didn't get Florida, then they got the next best team in Kentucky. And is yeah. you know is is Missouri then number four? No, but there's there's just no easy way out for any team sure. in this whole situation. Sure. So Simone, we look at the SEC. There's a lot of lot of good teams. Obviously, good competition week in week out. And, and as you mentioned, uh, the big question is how long will they go reasonably with only one bye week and an eleven game schedule? How long yeah. do you see the season going, barring any consequent any consequences from coronavirus? I mean, I think that if, if there's not any huge issues or massive, uh, you know, outbreaks of COVID nineteen on campus or on a team, I can see us going 11 weeks. Now, what happens after that, I have no idea because with the Big Ten out, the Pac-12 out, and the ACC, I mean, they're in right now, but it seems like they're hanging on by a thread. I just never know what's going to happen after the SEC championship game with the college football playoff. I mean, it's like we're all just in limbo right now, kind of waiting to see what decisions are going to be made. But if there's not huge outbreaks, I think that we're going to go 11 weeks. I mean, I cross my fingers and hope that's going to happen. Absolutely. You look. You mentioned the Big Ten and uh, something that, that that league has just kind of been a circus in the past couple weeks, yeah, past couple months. Uh, what do you have to say about the leadership or lack thereof and, and lack of clarity to their schools, to their players, to the media? Just how do you how do you put all that in a box? I think it's really I think it's been disappointing, honestly. I'm not some big Big Ten fan and or anything like that, but I think that those kids were left out to dry. None of them have an opportunity to even decide whether they wanted to opt out or opt in. Uh, you know, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, not trying to be a hater or anything, but he's going to have a son that's going to be playing on Saturdays at Mississippi State. His son, Powers Warren, is going to be I mean, is he gonna be in the stands watching his son down in Starkville while everyone in the Big Ten is sitting at home watching the games on TV? I mean, it just seems like the entire situation – there's no transparency. Uh, there, were, there was just poor decision-making from the get, and I think a lot more questions than answers. And really it's not fair to the coaches, to the players, to the, to the teams that have put together a lot of hard work over the last few weeks to have a season, just to have that completely ripped out from underneath them. And the lack of transparency just really just makes it a lot worse. Right, and you've heard players all across college football with the hashtag we want to play movement kind of yeah. speak up and talk about the lack of leadership. And I've talked to uh, different people about this, but I'll get your opinion on it as well. What would be any type of benefit from a players' union or players' organization um, to have kind of one common voice in college football? Yeah, I mean, I, I get why folks – are potentially in favor of that because of how we see it work in, you know, with the professional leagues. Um, I mean, I have a very unpopular opinion when it comes to a player's union and players being paid in college football. I played college sports. 
and I it was very rewarding for me. I was not a superstar athlete, but I had a, a great experience. I had my education paid for, and um, I think that the NCAA, in my opinion, needs to remain at, at an amateur league um, or an amateur level of, of sport. And I know that that's not something that a lot of folks agree with, and, and that's okay. I just think that there's a lot to be said about not being a professional yet. Maybe more decisions, maybe more things need to be open for athletes to decide to go pro at a, at a sooner time at, at, at the college football level. But in my opinion, uh, the college level of athletics needs to remain an amateur level of athletics. And when kids go pro, they go pro, and that's when you get paid. That's my opinion. Again, I know that's not something a lot of people want to hear, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, and it's it's changing every year almost in terms of you know players being compensated for their likeness and the yeah. demand. And obviously, you know, you get different uh, types of treatment whether you're at the University of Alabama or whether you're at the University of you know. Reno, Nevada, or whatever. It, yeah. It's it's different, and but across the board, it it can't be the same. And and when it comes to players' unions, different places are going to be treated differently. And if we're mm-hmm. being honest, if two out of the power two out of the five power five conferences are not playing football, and there was a there was a unanimous decision to be made, then no, no one would be playing college football this year right. if all five. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me, can't come to a conclusion. So um, we circle back around now, having some quick hitters here at the end. Um, hardest game on Alabama's schedule when you saw it come out this past Monday? The most difficult game? I, I think it has to be LSU. I, mean, I don't know, I kind of want to go towards Georgia as well. And the reason I say that is that Georgia game is, what, week three? That's super early in the season. You know, teams still trying to get their bearings straight a little bit. And you only have two games of film to watch on those teams, you know? So that's kind of a quick turnaround to have to play a a potential top five matchup in Alabama and Georgia. Um, I think that's a very difficult game. LSU obviously coming off national championship is a difficult game. I think Auburn's always difficult, but if I had to pick one specific game, um, I'd have to go with that Georgia game, Bob. I'm really looking forward to it, man. And then a sleeper game for Alabama this year. Uh, I think Texas A&M, that's week two, right? Yes. I think, I think it's Texas A&M. Uh, I think you just never know with Jimbo Fisher. You never know what you're going to get. Um, I know that's Bama's home opener. They're going to be fired up and amped up, ready to go. But, uh, again, just a game where you got to come out and knock them in the mouth quick and not let this be a team that's going to gonna hang around. Now, Texas A&M could come in and lay an egg. You never know with Jimbo Fisher. But, uh, but I think that's a game that to keep an eye on. Yeah, mine is mine's Tennessee. Uh, you know, right yeah. there after Georgia on the road. Um, obviously, Tennessee fans have been saying this is it for years, uh, much like Alabama basketball fans. But we don't have to get into that. <laughs> and uh, but you know, on the road, Jeremy Pruitt. It, that that one yeah. will be interesting to me. What what do you see out of Tennessee this year? Yeah, I think that. There's a lot of excitement around what Jeremy Pruitt has built in Knoxville. The recruiting class is up. Uh, did you see the fan base seems to be, you know, d- wiping the dust off a little bit? They're getting amped up. And that's a, there's a lot to be said about excitement and hype around the program because it certainly energizes the players. So I think that you're absolutely right. I think that would be a heck of a game. Do I think that Tennessee pulls an upset? No. But do I think it's something to look forward to and an exciting game, you know, the third Saturday in October? It's still scheduled for that, isn't it? Uh, Let me pull that up. I think it is. Yes, that 20, yeah, the 24th of October. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, just another – Great rivalry game, and you, like, you never know with rivalry games. I don't think that 
the, the ball's uh, pulling up set, but I think it's something to look forward to. No, I don't think so either. And then last quick hitter here. Uh, we haven't seen anything outrageous from, from Zoom calls uh, from Saban's press conferences or anything like uh-huh. that, but are you anticipating any type of rant soon on anything? Or You know, here's my thing on Saban with the Zoom call. You know, I think that something when he gets fired up in the past, you know, there's that personal aspect to it because you're right in front of him and he can kind of chew your butt out and you can see you doing right. it. You know, now he's just looking into like a camera. He's in a room by himself. And I think that it's weird, like it is for everyone else, just to be sitting there having a conversation with 30 people. Um, but I think that because the personal touch isn't there so much that we're not going to see him get as fired up as we have in the past. Now, I would love for him to prove me wrong, but I, that's just my opinion. You, you don't you don't want to be the one that he gets fired up on. You want to see it, you know, yes. someone's connection go out in the middle of a hypothetical question or something like that. In the in the few in the few years that I've covered Alabama, I've had my fair share of getting chewed out by Nick Saban, and it's never fun. I almost feel like it's like my dad yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> his his first press conference earlier this week was. I don't remember who it was, but somebody asked a hypothetical, and he said, well, that's a hypothetical question, but, yeah. and he answered it anyways due to their affiliation. Um, sure. But, yeah. <laughs> Simone, thank you so much for taking the time to come join the podcast, and uh, it was nice to have you on, and best of luck to um, you covering football this season. Hope to see you in person uh, around Bryant-Denny or somewhere in the SEC, and best of luck to your husband tonight as well. William, thanks so much, man. Keep doing great work. We appreciate you. Great talk with Simone there. Thankful for her time as she enters this work weekend of high school football and looking forward to college football here kicking off in just a couple weeks. So once again, thanks, Simone. You can follow her on Twitter at SimoneEli underscore TV. We now go around Alabama athletics, and as we talked a lot with Aaron last week, Aaron Suttles on the Galloway podcast about Alabama football, and so we covered a lot of bases with Alabama athletics as well. Um, and not a whole lot of breaking news other than the fact that Alabama football has started practice. And Pete Golding has talked to the media. Steve Sarkeesian has talked to the media. Uh, Dylan Moses, Devontae Smith, and of course, Nick Saban. Uh, all those folks have spoken in the media. Check those interviews out on YouTube and UA Athletics Twitter pages. Uh, great sound bites from a lot of those athletes. And Alabama is off today. They'll practice this weekend. Um, But fall camp, I mean, obviously an extremely important time for this football program. And one thing Pete Golding said yesterday on Thursday in his press conference availability, which he hadn't spoken to the media since, I think, before uh, Alabama's game against Michigan in the Citrus Bowl, is they're ahead on their install, which is surprising because – Obviously, not being able to do a ton in person over the summer and now having limited uh, fall camp hours during the during the week before the season kicks off. What was so interesting about Alabama being ahead on the install is that so much of their defensive playbook is mental and so much of it is a learning curve for those guys. And one thing he said that is, has been tremendous for that defense is Dylan Moses has been taking notes in those Zoom calls, he's been quizzing the younger guys, and he's making sure they've got the middle parts of the install. There's obviously things you can't get down until you're in person and on the field with the ball, but a lot of the middle install and the install as well, just the guys learning the system, um, he said they're ahead of the game. So that's really encouraging Alabama football-wise. Nate Oates also, uh, when we look around Alabama athletics, penned a letter 
to students, welcoming back students, faculty, and staff back to campus. Uh, Nate Oates obviously enters his second full year with the Crimson Tide. We're excited to see what the men's basketball program holds. Tip-off is just 81 days away, I believe, uh, November 10th versus Jacksonville State in Coleman Coliseum. That's coming up in just a few months. Excited to see all the new faces on this Crimson Tide team. But in his note, uh, Nate Oates was just very welcoming, saying how to all the new people, he was in their shoes just a year ago. Uh, And really cool to see Coach Oates embrace that leadership role, not only on the court, but on campus and welcoming back students amidst uh, lots of of uncertain times as well. So that really does it for Around Alabama Athletics, a smaller segment on today's podcast, but want to thank Simone Eli for joining episode 48 of the Galloway Podcast. want to remind you, the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Today we went around what's new. We talked college football, NBA playoffs, baseball's unwritten rules. We talked all things football at all levels with Simone Eli and briefly went around Alabama Athletics. want to remind you that Galloway Podcast merchandise is available. Folks, we've got some great white comfort colors t-shirts. You're going to want those. Uh, the pocket shirt on the front left on the front left pocket. Uh, the black logo is, is printed there on the pocket. We've got coffee mugs, tumblers, golf towels, game day stickers, all with the Galloway podcast logo. You can DM me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway to figure out how to best get your merchandise. Would love to see you repping all Galloway podcast merchandise posted on your social media. Be sure and let me know. I'll give you a shout out. Really appreciate the followers and um, those who rock the merchandise. Much respect. Once again, thanks for listening to the Galloway Podcast, the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.